Welcome to the show, folks. This is Wrestling Changed My Life. Here we go. A lot of people say, why don't you go down a weight or up a weight? And I'm like, why wouldn't you go face the best guy in the world? We can endure anything and adapt and pivot and change. Wrestling gave us that ability. I would say nothing in life has impacted me more than the things wrestling has taught me in terms of self-reflection, resilience. Toughness. Some guys have it, some guys don't. Adversity, 100%. How to pick myself up and be a man after I failed. And everything that has shaped my life and where I'm at today would not be there without the values and basically the lessons I've learned through the sport of wrestling. For me, wrestling saved my life because it, it allowed me to focus and channel my energy. We're fortunate if you wrestled because if you wrestled, natural talent helps, but it's, it's 5% of the ingredient. It pales in comparison to heart and technique and effort. It humbled me, taught me humility. Nothing can hit, humble you more than wrestling. I think it's the learning to adapt, right? You learn, you learn how to adapt, you learn how to solve problems. You know, if I look back my time, I spent wrestling. If it gave me one thing more than anything else, it's mental toughness. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the podcast. This is Ryan Warner with Wrestling Changed My Life. My guest today is Gil Sanchez, NCAA runner-up in 1987, losing to the great John Smith. But Gil Sanchez, folks, handed John W. his last collegiate loss ever, and you better believe that we talk about it in this episode. Gil is now a principal out in South Carolina, and I really enjoyed this episode. I hope you do as well, folks. Fan of the week goes to Blaine underscore Christy on the gram. Thank you for the love and support. And folks, if you want to support this podcast, please give us a five-star rating or review if you feel we deserve it. It helps raise the profile of the podcast when other folks are searching for wrestling content. That's it, folks. I've said my piece. Now let's give it up for the great Gil Sanchez. Gil Sanchez, welcome to the podcast, sir. Thank you for doing this. You're welcome. Man, so you come from a huge wrestling family. I, I had no idea how uh, how many of the Sanchez uh, brothers, your your dad, your uncles, wrestled back in the day. What was your first start into the sport? How'd you get into it? How old were you? Well, of course, my father was um, a national NCAA runner-up at 118. Uh, his brother, he, he was a state champ. They went to the Marines, all-Marine team, and, uh, you know, he was – Coaching wrestling when, of course, when I was born, and then uh, um, his younger brother was Ray Sanchez, four-time All-American, um, four-time high school's first, either first or second, Wyoming uh, state champ, four-timer. Uh, it's a great. I might have to send you some pictures. He won the U.S. Open as a senior in high school. He has his high school warm-up uh, at wow. the U.S. Nationals. Uh, he won it twice. He won it back to back. Um, so he, uh, I think that was when freshmen couldn't wrestle. So he wrenched, yeah. yeah, he wrestled, uh, got in a car wreck. He came back, was all American. I got, I think he got six, but he made the world team. He was a world team member. I mean, he was, Ray Sanchez was probably the best out of all of us. I'm not even, the, I'm not even close to the best Sanchez. <laughs> and, uh, so, and then my dad, of course, you know, being a national finalist, he won the U.S. national, he won Greco freestyle one year uh, uh, 
in the same area won both styles. And uh, wow. they, were, they were little guys, 114 and a half, 115 in college. So uh, that's what I grew up in. And I had uh, two younger brothers, uh, Jim Sanchez and Frank. And uh, so my dad, of course, had a wrestling club and Shine Wrestling Club, which is still going today. And we have our little reunion every now and then. And uh, that's how we started. I started later officially with the club. Um, just because we moved from Phoenix to, to Cheyenne. And uh, uh, my brothers were phenoms as little kids, and I was not. My brother Jim, uh, of course, won the, he won the uh, Junior Nationals. He was two-time state champ. He had, he had already made a world team before I even had a world record, uh, a winning record. Yeah, he, he made, I think he made four or five world teams when he was little. He made the, the cadet world team, the, junior world world he made he made and one year in college he made the freestyle world trials or the greco world trials and then the freestyle world trials the next year wrestling zeke and all those guys but wow my brother jim was a beast as a little kid and i was terrible <laughs> i think i got i think i got pinned my first 50 matches uh pretty close and my brothers were already winning national titles and i wasn't didn't even have a winning record but Luckily, my dad was a great coach, and he coached me up. In fact, we would uh, he'd put me in four or five pinholes every day after practice and uh, when I was little, and I got really good off my back. I got really good. You're known for a top-bottom wrestler. When did, when did you kind of develop your own style and really start to love it? Was it high school, or was it even later than that for you? Um, I got better in high school, but again, I was tiny. In 10th grade, I weighed 83 pounds. Uh, my sister... We're 11 months apart. Um, she never grew. She's still 100 pounds, five foot eight or 10. She's tiny, but that's what I was. I, in, in 10th grade, 83 pounds. In 11th grade, I remember moving the weight over to the 100 pound. That wrestled 98, but I was little and skinny. And of course, everybody's told me, you know, uh, I would not win the state title or anything like that because I was too little. But I, my dad coached me up. And uh, I had some good partners and a good team and ended up winning a couple states. But, uh, yeah, I was tiny. And then so college-wise, nobody really looked at me. Uh, people don't know that I was a walk-on. I walked on at Nebraska. Uh, uh, people didn't think I'd be big enough. No one said, you know, he, why are you going to college? You know, you're tiny. But I sat out one year. I lifted weights. I went and trained some Greco. I was a, a, kind of a Greco dude in, when I first started out in California with Mark Fuller and, and that group. And then I came back and it was a, probably about 10 pounds bigger. And then, uh, yeah, I just walked on that Nebraska. I called those guys up and said, hey, uh, my name's Gil Sanchez. Uh, when did we start? And they told me. And, of course, then we had a – they recruited Matt Campbell, which one of you know top five recruit. Uh, uh, Alan Francis from Iowa was a two-timer. He was uh, – all they, they had – we had five 18-pounders, and then, then I walked on it. And uh, luckily, I had great coaches, great partners, and I made the team as a freshman at 118, and I placed in the Midlands as a true freshman. And, uh, you know, the rest is just great teammates, great coaches, uh, you know, great schedule, and, and, of course, the help of my family and my dad and everybody just mentoring me to be better. Was, you know, I, I, got, I got put in a great environment to, you know, get better and, my dad was a funker, a roller, a scrambler, and and that's 
where I learned it and just scrambling and having play wrestling mostly. And my coaches were that way. Kelly Ward, uh, he would grab you for like an hour when I was a freshman and a sophomore, would grab you and just talk and wrestle and roll around for one solid hour and just playing and working at home in different things. And, um, you know, environment like that really made it easy for me to, to get better, to have the opportunity. But of course, the grind is the grind and it can wear anybody down. That redshirt year must have been not redshirt year, but the skip year must have been pretty cool. Going to California and training. Were you working at the time, or did you just train and lift weights all like during the day? No, I worked like half the year uh, at a refinishing shop. I learned how to do some wood furniture, and then uh, so I went out there and trained. I think almost two and a half months, and of course, you know, working out, uh, working out with my dad and uh, and some other people, and and I'd go to tournaments, of course. And, uh, it was just a great experience to get out. And Mark Fuller won three Olympic teams. I, I went to the Junior World Greco that year, and I did take him down, and then he beat me. And I and I think it was maybe 18, and they let me stay for the Junior World Camp. And wow, I mean, on that team, I think we had six Olympians, and I grew up fast uh, as a young guy to get to hang out with uh, some big time Greco teams. So that was my first time where I kind of made the jump of just being. Uh, a skinny kid from Wyoming to being able to stay uh, and hang out with some of the best guys around and, and get to watch them. Same thing when I was younger, I got to go to the Olympic training camp with my dad. Uh, and, uh, and that was where I made the jump uh, work to be a state champ. But a funny story, we're at the Olympic training center and some guy comes up to my dad, Hey, can you ref the match and have your son time? And my dad's like, sure. We headed over to the mats, and it was Gable and Lee Kemp were going all by themselves on like eight mats, and we were the only two there watching the two best guys in the world go at it, and we were like, "Wow, this is this is what it takes, and this these are the best guys." So I was very lucky my whole career to be around and watch and try to emulate the best guys around. How did that go between Gable and Lee Kemp go? What do you remember from it? I just remember those guys were going at it. It was not, it was friendly for about 30 seconds and they were going at it. I mean, they, they used all eight mats. Let me say that. And it was, uh, uh, it, it was crazy. And just, you don't know what's going on here. You know, I was a little, you know, I was, I think I was just going to be a junior when that happened. And, you know, you're like, wow, you're not even grasping all the stuff they're doing. But uh, again, being around my dad being around guys like that and just watching. I was great at watching and learning and, and asking questions and put myself around good people. So what was the transition like once you got to Nebraska from, you know, your true freshman year, you have a good start to the year. Yep. And then, you know, 86, you get second at the big eights, um, go, go to nationals. And then obviously the 86, 87 season was where you got second in the country, but talk mm -hmm. to us about the progression of when you got there day one as a true freshman, one eighteen pounder to getting to, you know, getting to your junior year where you were really peaking. What was that like? Again, um, as a true freshman, our team had Al Freeman, who was my hero and idol. Um, you had the Shear brothers, Ray Oliver. I mean, we had an all-star cast of some amazing role models that did it the right way. So I was lucky to get thrown into that. Um, you know, Al Freeman, I snuck into, I would always, as a true freshman, I kind of started knowing what to do. I would sneak into the Baby Center to work out, and Al Freeman would be there. He'd be, be 
and then he would kind of mentor me on what to do. And uh, so I was very lucky to have those guys as a, as a two freshmen to help mentor me and, and get through it. Um, so that was a start emulating them and trying to be like them and their, it's all their dedication, hard work, their off season training. Uh, that was the start. I think the schedule and, you know, shoot, we had Iowa state, Oklahoma state, uh, everybody in the division was tough. So you all Oklahoma, you always got to see the best guys in the world wrestling all the time. So that at least put my eyes and my vision in the right direction. And then of course, you know, uh, coach fears who was a beast and my first coach uh, with Kelly Ward, they helped shape me in uh, trying to get better, always trying to get better. You know, they didn't, I never was beat on or, or bothered. They just groomed me in a way to, to love wrestling. My dad was the same way. My dad wasn't a screamer or yeller. It was about the zen of the wrestling. And, and technique were like magic tricks, you know, to be that good where you could barely touch a guy and kick him down. That was the, uh, the magic of wrestling that my dad taught. But Kelly Ward was the same way. It was about tricks and enjoying. But uh, The zen of wrestling, your dad called it? No, that's what, that's what we, I kind of, oh, we all kind of, I don't know. That's what I it, like was. That. it was. It was the art of wrestling. It wasn't, it wasn't any grinding. My dad, my dad never talked about points, never talked about winning. It was none of that. It was just the art, the moves, the skill from a young age. So uh, uh, being his drill part, being his dummy for a long time. Uh, so um, let's go back to the, I, again, my dad, I worked out with my dad probably till I was a sophomore in college. I could, I could barely beat him even then. My dad was a, a funker and a scrambler. He, my dad at 65, he's 80 now. He looks the same and he's still tough. I, I, he can drill. Sometimes we go to matches, he'll be showing moves. And no way. If you saw, my, when my friends see him, they go, he looks exactly the same. Well, he got third in the 60 Olympic trials, and I was like, man, that the 60 Olympic trials, that's that's a long time ago, <laughs> you know? Yeah, he's he's 80, I think he's 83, 82, yep. but uh, he's still tough. Um, so making that jump, then the high school, then, then in college, the, the, the big eight back then was so jam-packed of just stars everywhere, Candy Monday, Nate Carr, you turn around and you, you got the best guy, so knowing you had to compete against that, it made you have the mindset, I got to, I got to. I got to step it up. And luckily I had great partners, great coaches. My first coach was Bob Fears and Kelly Ward. And uh, of course the room was, they, they, they had a lot of money sitting on the bench when I was a freshman. So I made me wrestle up every weekend for my spot, which hardened me to be better. I mean, I just realized, Hey, this is not going to be easy. I gotta, I, I gotta pick it up every day in the room. And uh, like I said, the, the rooms where it was at in the grind and I was lucky to, uh, have partners and then uh tim newman helped his assistant and he took over when fears left and uh, by luck he recruited and got mark perry to come to us and the perrys as you know are phenom technically and just wizards at, at wrestling and i was lucky that mark was my size and still could go and i worked out with mark and you know as soon as he got there i'm like wow what a what a windfall for me to have oklahoma state technical whiz in my corner. And uh, that's where I, I, I made some big jumps uh, and training wise Perry was, <laughs> he was like, he was a crazy trainer, but man, he got you ready. And How he do believed you mean? It. Oh, just our workouts and what he'd make us do. But again, he believed in me, which against the best, I mean, obviously he's John Smith's brother-in-law and he believed in 
wanted me to win. I mean, I got a funny story about our match. I could get to that later. Get, tell it. it. Let's hear it. Well, let's. I guess let's start with that whole rivalry and what yeah. happened. I had wrestled John. I think his freshman year, my sophomore year, he beat me up pretty good. He had his little bar arm. He turned me on that. And then uh, I wrestled him. I wrestled him the year before in the Omaha tournament. That tournament, people don't realize that tournament was huge. 80-some guys in a weight. There was no JV bracket or B bracket. No. It was eight or nine matches to the finals in one day. So um, I wrestled him. I think the year he just got second. And um, the next year, it had been my junior year. I can't remember if it was my junior or something, but we had a battle in the finals. And I was up by four points with 27 seconds left. And I should have went and got a popcorn. I should have ran around. And I'm like, no, I'm going to take him down again. <laughs> and that was wrong. He did, you know, where he hooks your arm and steps over. Got five at the buzzer. I ended up losing by one. That was my first time against a big-time opponent. That weight class, if you look back at the bracket, it was stacked. Uh, uh, but you beat it, him in the duel two days before that, though, at Lincoln. You no, know, this is Omaha a year before. Oh, because the next year he yeah. stayed at the Omaha Open. Yeah. and Oh, so, okay, so, so you guys were scrapping so getting, even then. Okay. Yeah, so we're getting – that's that's the prelude where the first match where I should have beat a big-time wrestler. That was the first match. A big-time tournament, make it to the finals. I'm like, I'm getting closer. And that and, and that's when Perry – you could tell the influence. I was, I was getting closer. And the mentality, too, you know, most guys would be like, oh, man, run around, go get a popcorn, hot dog it. I was like, no, I'm going to take him down again. So I think overall he respected my mentality of I'm not going to shy away. And later on, and, and when we wrestle again, sometimes that was – I should have had a different approach on my tactics. So that, right there, that was the first big-time meeting where it was closed. And then so uh, the summer, he wins the Goodwill Games, number one ranked wrestler in the world. Uh, in the first duels at Lincoln, I still have my goal sheet. Um, first, number one, beat John Smith. I should have put three times, but I just had it once in there. So my goal sheet had beat John Smith, number one, on my fridge. And Perry uh, coached me up on uh, my training. And really wasn't specifically against John. It was just, hey, here's what you're good at. Let's get in those situations. And uh, we used to have the video of the match, but it, it, it's, it's disappeared, but I do have the last 30 seconds of that match, so um, I'll send it to you. Not many people can can uh, uh, have that feeling in your home crowd. You know, there's a thousand people showed up and, uh, and, and went in the match. So, um, was he a big name when he won the Goodwill Games and going into that season? Well, it was all over the world because it was from Russia, and again, he was he was ranked number one, number one in the world, and you know. Shoot, the Husker fans came to see him too. You know, it wasn't just about me. So, uh, did you and Mark so that, have any conversations about wrestling John before that match, like one on one, getting ready for him, like what he would do, and, and those kind of things? A little bit, but it was more about just preparing to get better. It wasn't. It wasn't really, you know, look out for this and that, and he's good here. And but, um, you know, he's he was good anywhere. So it wasn't like uh, you could you could be looking out the whole time but mark was more do what you're good at and you can score get in those scrambles i was good at it was just funk wrestling back then people everybody does it now but back then you know even john would say that uh, the way we wrestled and the style was 
funky back then, and now they have names for the moves. When we did it, they had have names for the moves that we just did it, and we got good at it. So the setup, the duel, um, comes to Lincoln, and uh, rank number one. We had that, that was the biggest crowd I had ever seen at Lincoln to see that match, and uh, and the match goes basically. He would shoot his high crotch on me put me in the air and I'd lock in his crotch. We get a huge scramble and I'd end up on top. I did that twice. And one time I caught him with, I, 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 uh, I did the claw back when I don't even know. That's in the eighties. I was doing the claw and crab. I was a crab writer. I got the claw and got him on his back. And, uh, and he went, he was not happy. He was not happy. And, uh, to get 13 points against John Smith, you know, I was, I was fired up and, and, uh, I know I, I, it kind of affirmed all my training and my coaches and that's the biggest win I ever had. And uh, to do it in your hometown was pretty cool. I had, I just started dating a girl and I said, Hey, um, I got a match. You want to come? Yeah. So she comes to that match and she's like, wow, that was pretty big. Is that kind of a big deal? I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> so, uh, so, uh, so, so he's, I- Go ahead. I was going to say, so afterwards that night had to be the biggest win of your career at that point. Oh, yeah. You know, what do you, uh, you know, what do you remember from that night? Did, were you living in an apartment at the time? Were you living in a dorm? What would you guys do afterwards? All right. We went home. I was, I lived with my brother. We had the Omaha tournament in a couple of days. So it wasn't like you could go crazy. And back then, honestly, my coaches, our team, nobody like pumped their fist or got the camera. And it was like, you know, I kind of treated it as, expected in business as usual you uh, i'll send you the video it's it's pretty it's I, I pretty pretty ins, it's pretty insane and uh just to see that and uh also you notice the shape you're in and just everybody's ripped to shreds and uh it's pretty amazing I, my buddy found two tapes he found the barry davis tape this year i had zero tapes of me winning all my you know wrestlers and friends and they go yeah all the videos we have you getting whipped i'm like i know there's some out there where i went against a good guy and my buddy found the barry davis uh tape which is on youtube and uh i haven't released uh, the 30 seconds of john smith i don't know what happened to the full match the full match is crazy the scrambles are just oh. unbelievable i got a couple pictures of, of uh they took a couple pictures of me having him on his back which is pretty amazing too. I- i'll send you some of those which it's just cool to have. Yeah. I mean, I was going to ask you, was it broadcast on like local TV or is this like a home video? Uh, it was a home video. I don't know what happened to it. We had it for, I know I had it for a year and then I had no idea. Somebody probably copied it over. Man. But oh my do, God. I'm but we, dying. Do have the, we do have the clip of the last 30 seconds. It's pretty, it's pretty sweet. I can't wait to watch it. Now, what happens next is story of absolute legend in the uh, in the wrestling world. And I don't know if you've heard this story, but there's an interview of John on YouTube yeah. talking. I'm sure you've seen it talking about it. So, you know, he's coming off of beating Zayev, won the Goodwill Games, um, and he had redshirted the year before. You know, so he hadn't wrestled right. a folk style match since Jim Jordan had beaten him. And right. so he took two losses in a row in folk style. I don't think a lot of people realize that um, in NCAA competition. He's so upset by it, he decides to stay in Nebraska, rents a car, and drives to Omaha and posts up for the night, knowing you guys would be at the Omaha Open the next day. Did you know any of this before you got to the Omaha Open Saturday morning? Yeah, I knew he was going to be there. Um, Mark had already told me, and you know, some people might have said, man, why don't you just 
not go and be ranked number one. I was like, no, I'm gonna beat him again. And uh, and again, that tournament, people, the the Omaha tournament and the, uh, what was the other huge tournament? Um, there's one at U and I. There was one at yeah, the U and I. Yeah, yeah, the U and I tournament was massive too. That year, um, they had to be done by six o'clock in the evening for something. So we wrestled like back. I mean, it was like. One of my buddies was in the Russellbacks. He was on match 15, and he, like, seized up. It was, they were huge, no bars, no holds, just everybody's going to the end. And like I said, we wrestled probably about 5.30. And uh, um, it's funny, one of my childhood workout partners from the Cheyenne Wrestling Club was wrestling from Wyoming. He just told me this story this summer. He goes, yeah, we were there. And I'm like, when did you come and talk to me? He goes, you were busy. And uh, so I guess he tells me that when we're wrestling, the whole gym shuts down. No matches are running. Nobody's going anywhere. And everybody piles. Around. I didn't know. I didn't, I, like I said, I didn't remember any of this. He goes, yeah, the whole tournament. He goes, I've never seen it. But the whole tournament shut down for your guys' match. And uh, wow. again, John went to more basic and less scrambles. He, I know he. He t- I think he took me down twice. I don't. I might have scored three points, but uh, um, that was uh, that. And then, like I, uh, I told you earlier, they they moved me. I was ranked like tenth to start the year, and then they moved me to eight when I beat John the first time. And then the next weekend, I I wrestled Barry Davis in the finals of the uh, UNI tournament and beat him. Uh, I think eleven to two. I put him on his back. Then they then they put me second. So that's the funny story of. I finally, I finally got some due after beating the, the best guy at Oklahoma State ever, and then probably arguably the best guy that, and they were, and Davis was still in his prime because he had just got a world silver, and I think the next year got a world silver. So it wasn't like he was, you know, he was retired and just going to open, you know. Right. No, it's incredible. I mean, what a what a two week span, and then after that tournament at the Omaha Open, you know, when you start to look at your goals for the year. What did those look like for you? Was it winning an NCAA title? Was it beating John Smith? I mean, what was your focus for the rest of the year? Was he like just kind of like Apollo Creed, taping up Rocky kind of thing? A little bit. And you could tell by the respect-wise, you know, that was part of my drive to make myself a name. And, and, you know, my dad being a national finalist, I think being an All-American, being in the finals, uh, of course, following my dad's footsteps that always weighed on my mind. And again, my coaches believed in me and trained me looking back. I would say, um, <clears throat> I should have maybe not wrestled it. I wrestled, uh, 49 matches that year. I, I still amazingly that I didn't know, uh, until a couple years ago, I still hold the record for most season wins at Nebraska. Wow. <laughs> with 46 and I didn't even realize I wasn't I didn't even think about that I didn't even know about it in fact for a couple years ago uh, I still hold the record because nobody in this day and age can wrestle that many matches it's just too brutal and looking back I should have tapered rested more uh, uh, and not I mean we trained we trained and competed very very hard but I should have rested toward the end more and looking and then going into big eights I mean we still had uh, Gibbons who ended up getting third at NCAAs. He's in our, he's in, I wrestled him twice and, uh, and like he's in our bracket. So you got the third best guy in the country in our bracket. So it wasn't like, 
just focus all on John, but again, focus on being a, make it to the finals and being all American. And um, yeah, Gibbons, we have a great story. Uh, we dated sisters that summer and had to, and had to have summer dinner together, knowing we're going to battle the whole year. Uh, we, we would sit at the table just being pleasant and eating our dinner with these girls and their families and uh, knowing we'd have to basically try to kill each other in about four months. So, uh, were you guys so cordial? They, oh yeah. The Gibbons, amazing class family. Um, uh, um, and I, I trained with Joe and Joe beat me up a couple times and, uh, uh, I was lucky to be around him and Jim has always been a supporter of me and my wrestling and my teams and, uh, a great, just a class family. So having them as, as another set of rivals was, you know, you're not going to get much better than the Smith family or the Gibbs family. So I was around some of the best individual people, talent-wise, but people-wise, that drove me to be better. And like you said, you know, Mark Perry got there. Everyone who's wrestled for Mark Perry, who I've interviewed, you know, a couple, four or five guys, they all right. say that he has an ability to instill confidence and his belief in you is absolute. Did you see that? Yeah, and I'll I'll tell that story now of what happened with him because he's married to Kathy Smith. A lot of people didn't know that. John Smith's brother-in-law. Then they come and coach me. And uh, so after the, and like I said before, Mark totally believed in me and wanted me to win 100. percent It was never have loyalty somewhere else, Open State. You know, he wanted me to win 100. percent And amazing, I got to work out with the guy. A lot of people just got to get mentored and technique with him. I wrestled him you know at least a couple of days a week and my brother my my little my middle brother was still on the Nebraska's team my senior year and I could barely score in hand my 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 uh middle brother was and he was an 18 pounder and like I said I got to worry about those two were dude I saw the match of him and Mark Schwab I forgot how good Mark Schwab was back then holy yeah, yeah, smokes yeah, yeah. but uh and you like you said that era whew, there's some hammers all within like that Iowa Nebraska Oklahoma radius um yeah. but anyway Mark Perry, so, sorry. Yeah, so Mark Perry's story. Uh, so Mark comes to practice the next day, and he's like, man, I, I, I don't think he tells us, but he tells the group that, yeah, Kathy's mad at me. Hasn't talked to me for a couple days because she said that uh, Mark coached me too hard. And he's like, of course I did. I want, I want him to win. Look at all the blood, sweat, and tears in my career. I, you know, I, I want him to win. And uh, I thought that was a funny story. Kathy gave him the cold shoulder for a couple of days. But Kathy was always sweet and, and always a supporter of our supporter of our team. So I don't have any brotherly love. Though it's hard, though, yeah. man. Like, like uh, you yeah. know, I mean, it'd be hard to, no matter if you're, you know, husbands coach him or not, you'd always pretty much want to root for your brother. Oh yeah, of course, of course. And I, with my brothers, I rarely I got a little nervous for my matches. But when my brothers wrestled, oh, man, I was super nervous. So uh, that's funny that, uh, yeah, when it's brothers, yeah, I'm, I get more nervous watching my brothers wrestle than I do. Oh, so we, no question. So we get to the big eights. And, of course, you got Gibbons. I, I, I beat Gibbons in the semis, and I got Smith again. Um, um, the score didn't look like it at the end because I got put in my back at the end, I think, twice, but I, I was on him. I, I remember getting on that my single uh, uh, three or four times and getting pretty close and getting him. And, uh, that was probably a close match to the end where I got put on my back. And, uh, again, looking back at it, you look at Mel Curie the next year, went totally square stance, uh, forward to forward and don't do anything, keep it close, try to win. But 
And Nebraska, we, we never even considered that. It was like, go wrestle your match and try to win and score some points like you normally do. Looking back at it, maybe I should have done a stall match and waited till the end. Um, but again, just like I did two years ago, I'm going to try to take them down again. And I think ultimately, yeah, you get respect in certain ways. I think, you, you know, I think we respected that. No, I mean, there's no question about it. And, and the fact that, like you said, you know, to make the NCAA finals is one of the rarest feats in all of wrestling. And so I was looking back at the bracket. You rolled everyone that year. I mean, it wasn't even close. So what was your, you know, <laughs> I, I, I mean, it looked like everyone was like six points or more, so a couple tacks. I mean, yeah. how were you I, feeling throughout the tournament that year? I, I Honestly, I was a little tired. Uh, I got a funny story for the semis. Nobody knows this story either. Um, we're in D.C. because it's in Maryland. And um, it's Friday night for the semis, right? Seven o'clock start or six o'clock start. Well, we're stuck in traffic. Mark Perry, I think Mark's driving. He's going down the median. He's going over ramps. We're trying to get to the Coliseum. I get to the, I'm putting my shoes on in the car. And I'm, I hear him calling my name and I'm at the top of Cole Philhouse. And I start spread. I didn't even warm up. I didn't even touch. I run down to the mat and I jump on the mat, put my strap on, get my head gear and I start wrestling without even a warm up or nothing. I get taken down, I'm losing, and uh, luckily uh, we got the crab, and that's where I was comfortable. I got a couple of uh, reversals, and I ended up winning it against Paul Clark, who was a punker, 7-4 uh, in the semis. But people don't know that I was putting my shoes on in the car, and we were about, almost got killed in a couple of wrecks just getting to the Coliseum. <laughs> you talk about the crab ride a lot. What were, what were some of your go-to uh... – your go-to takedowns and, and and on the mat was it a crab to a to a mills type of thing uh it's so funny mills yeah he was my hero and idol and my half was a lot like his half i wrestled him in the midlands my sophomore year and he put me in a half almost me, but i put him in his own half and had him and you can ask him we went 15 16 and he was i because he was my hero i had his poster on my wall but i had his his half on him in the Midlands, and I ended up losing 15 16. But as a sophomore wrestling Dean Mills, I was like, Yeah, man, he does work. So, yeah, I like the pullback crab and uh, that punch half. And uh, my takedowns watching the Barry Davis match, I was still in my double mode, but I got a lot better at the swing single uh, and pull and swing. And that was my go to uh, later on in international. That, yeah, that, uh, and that you watch Sammy Henson, that's his single is a variation on how we did the single so uh um yeah crazy uh people another cool story that people have realized i did wrestle john again um uh, okay but not in not in competition we did a camp together uh i i blew out my knee the next year and that really dampened a whole year out or had reconstruction and, uh we were doing a camp in kansas mark perry set it up john smith's the headliner me and Dave Drugmiller and Chris Nelson didn't show up to help. And uh, I had even, I didn't even work. I was still four months at a reconstruction. And um, I'm, we go to the camp. It's this huge session and, you know, two, 300 kids. I'm lightly drilling with Drugmiller, who, who, who was tough as crap. Should have definitely been All-American with her to see me here. Um, John says, oh, you're wrestling. Why don't you go? And I'm like, well, I got nothing else to do. Let's go. And so um, it was me, Joy Miller, and Smith. 
of course, the camp shuts down. They, they, there, nobody sees anything. Everybody huddles around the mats. And I think we went about 45 minutes. In the first 25 minutes, I did really well. One, I was fresh. Two, I was strong. Uh, three, but I was just coming back from my knee, and I hadn't wrestled anybody else ever. And live goes, and I'm going with John Smith. But the first 20 minutes, we went pretty good. And after a while, he'd go to Drug Mueller, uh, just sit down. Yeah, you kept pointing to me. Let's go. Let's go some more. And uh, I don't know if you went. I think we went two days, like two sessions of going. I know the first day I did really well. And the second day, uh, I probably got beat up three days. But uh, there was a funny situation where uh, you know people you hear that story and then people. Is he that kind of competitive guy? Where he oh, always. Yeah. Where do you put his competitiveness up there? Oh. He wants to win at everything, and Mark Perry's that way, and Sammy Henson's that way, and that's just, they don't want to lose their checkers. They don't want to, uh, you know, and they just don't want to beat you. They want to dominate, and they want to win, and, and uh, that's how those practices were, and uh, I felt pretty good. Heck, I haven't wrestled at all. I'm doing pretty good against John, and I, I was hitting that swing on him, and he goes, what the heck is that? And uh, it was like a little outside carry thing. I yeah. Did that a couple times, and he's like, yeah, what are you doing? So, uh, but it was in a different atmosphere. But again, it was uh, somebody would have had the video of that. It was it was some crazy, crazy scrambles. What What was he like personally? Did you get to know him at all? A little bit through that camp, and of course with Mark. I um, I recruited Pat and and Mark uh, to come to Nebraska, of course. Um, they didn't come, but, uh, um, but still, their whole family. I think when I recruited Pat, they. I stayed at the house, senior uh, Smith said, don't go to the hotel, stay at our house. You know, that's the type of people they were. And uh, I always considered Kathy and Mark. And I knew little Mark Perry when he was, uh, you know, three, four years old. Mark Perry, senior, would show a video of Mark Perry, uh, junior, when he was three or four, changing up to the high crotch and showing some of our guys, that's what you need to do. <laughs> so. No way. So, yeah. Uh, that's that's another funny story that uh, that's how you change up when you're um, to your high cuts to the double. So that's a pretty wow. funny story. Too. That's incredible. Um, man, I'm just trying to think of if anything else here. There's so many so many little gems here. The one thing I did want to ask you though was um, not related to the Smiths, but you were around the Shear brothers a lot. Any uh, anything stick out from those guys that made them so successful? You know, I don't know a lot about them, but they've come up oh, a lot man. in researching yeah. this. Um, yeah, the Shear brothers were amazing. Uh, I remember my freshman year, they're in the van, and they get in a fist fight in the van because about a match or them wrestling in practice. No, I took you down. No, you didn't let me go. Oh, I got you three times. And they were fighting in the van my freshman year. I'm like, man, this, this, this is crazy. <laughs> These guys are going full out. And I'm like not trying to get crushed as a, as a two, you know, little 18-pounder freshman. I go, These guys are intense. I, uh, Man. And, and just the whole atmosphere, I told you, Al Freeman, I'd sneak into the Devaney and he'd be in there asking how he sneaked in because he wanted to sneak in too. And uh, a funny story, my freshman year, I snuck into the Devaney on a Sunday and I was working out. I went into the sauna and some uh, older gentleman's in there sweating one out with the towel over his head. And he's like, how'd you get in here? And, I'm like, I'm and he goes, where are you from, uh, son? I said, Oh, Wyoming. He goes, oh, I used to coach at Wyoming. And, uh, and uh, we hung out and talked a little bit. And he goes, well, good luck to you. And it was, uh, 
It was Bob Devaney. Wow. It was uh, Bob Devaney, the, what the building's named after. He was hanging out there with me. And then, you know, he started coming to matches. I don't think because of me. I think the relationship with Tim and everybody. He started coming to the matches. If you look at some of the videos, Bob Devaney's in the matches. And he would start coming to our uh, banquets. I mean, he and, uh, and of course, later on, the budget got bigger and bigger with his support. But uh, he always said he liked the... Uh, um, the uh the women that the wrestlers picked out he, he's, <laughs> he's always a fan of that but uh but that other cool stories of two freshmen walking to the baby center and I, and I hang out with bob Devaney and, uh, you and, and so you meant you mentioned that a couple of times that you'd sneak in the gym i mean when you were tra- you know during your junior year when you were training what was a typical day in the life for you were you doing extra workouts and just you completely enthralled with it going in at all hours yeah um my, that year that I made the jump, my workout partner, John Myers, who ended up being a fam- he's still a famous uh, director in Hollywood and Academy Award winning uh, director, uh, films, he does, like, he, yeah, just look John Myers, Ring of Fire, but he was my workout partner. And we basically beat the crap out of each other every day. We, um, we just, we get up in the morning, we, we go to class, we work out and just pummel each other. And, uh, we did a camp for Jim and Bill Shear in um, in South Dakota, and Myers and I went up there to go help with the camp. And Mark Manning, who's the coach at Nebraska now, uh, was uh, he just got second in the U.S. Nationals. He's bigger than we are. I was 34. He he, he ended up, you know, 42, 50 pounder. And Mark Manning asked John and I, "Hey, you guys want to go?" And um, we were, I think, we're just going to be juniors. I think it was our junior year, not our, not our senior year. And we said. Yeah, let's do it. And uh, Myers and I, we got it. The first day, we we got him pretty good. He's like, who are these dudes? Like, where did they come from? But it was coaching, him and I being committed to just be the best we could be and then going places to find, like hanging out with the Shear Brothers at camp. It's like I said, quite a few times I go to camps, to the world camp to see Gable and Camp Russell, you know, hang out with the Shear Brothers, Russell John Smith on <laughs> At a, at a kid's camp, but uh, th- that's where you got better, and that was beating Manning, or hey, going with Manning was the first time when I was in the middle of the transition, uh, hey, we're on the right track, we're on the right track. And would you ever visualize matches or techniques in your head? Uh, I think everybody does, um, uh, and my dad is huge, was one of the first to do visualiz- visualization do the whole matches, do the whole match in your head and the time and the whistle, the, the buzzard and the whistle and the, and the audience. You know, everybody, um, he was one of the masters at that, he even did Olympic training centers. He was so good at that. And that, that was kind of before its time and he instilled that. But I think that, like even Henson, he self-talks and visualizes all the time. I think the champions do that, not even though it's taught or anything, they, they, they're talking themselves. They're visualizing it and they're training, you know, they're seeing that through their training. And 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 you everybody knows and well, my family, everybody, every wrestler, that grind will get anybody. That yeah. grind. They don't call it the grind for anything. A lot of people I made it through my coaching 15 years in a college wrestling room. You know, John Smith, I don't know how many years he has already, but humans aren't supposed to be that. But that grind will get anybody. More people, oh man, I made it through a year. Yeah. 15 wow well Gil this has been awesome just uh two last questions for you uh Mm -hmm. and I'm asking everyone this 
you know, if you were talking to someone on the street and they go, who's John Smith or, or what descriptors come to mind when you think of John Smith, you know, what are some of the first things that, that come to your mind? I think his pursuit to be the best, to not shy away from any challenge. He does it as a coach. He does it, he did it as a competitor. He's going to be in the mix and he trained, you know, he, you know, now you got videos of Jordan training. Uh, I, anybody would want to see those, those, those videos of, of Smith training, what he did to get that level. Hardly anybody know because they, you know, it's not a video culture or photo culture back then, but to see what he did to get to that level would be amazing to see. And again, never shine away, just like him coming to Omaha to, to wrestle me, just like he did with the brands to, to wrestle them outside. You know, he's not going to shy away from competition uh, and the drive to be the best. Um, a lot of people say, why don't you go down a weight or up a weight? And I'm like, why wouldn't you go face the best guy in the world? You know, there's an Indian saying that your honor or your um, – reputations based on the strength of your enemies and uh and again in wrestling i was able to wrestle the best ever uh, it, it made me who i am as uh, a father and a coach and, and our family wrestling start you know from being minorities in, in wyoming to traveling the world and seeing the world getting education everybody in my family are administrators my father was a principal I'm, I'm assistant principal, and uh, my brothers are administrators, are wiser administrators. My little brother, Frank, is Dr. Sanchez and the president of Rhode Island College in Rhode Island. And uh, their team has a wrestling team. And uh, we went to his inauguration. Of course, uh, all of us go to the wrestling practice before the inauguration. All the wrestlers are like, who are these dudes? And that's the president. He's at our practice. And they find out who we were. And, uh, and uh, to see their look, but to know that wrestling made us, made our family who they are through wrestling, uh, getting education, seeing the world, and just the amount of friends um, and the com uh, uh, camaraderie that we've had. I mean, I can go to any state, any town, and I can look up who's the wrestling people, and uh, they treat us with open arms and, and treat you like family. And here in South Carolina, people don't think South Carolina is a wrestling place. My county's a wrestling place, and the wrestling people here, it, it, they, they treat me like, like gold, and, and it's awesome. Dude, one of the great uh, Illinois wrestlers of all time, uh, Tony Davis, who went to UNI, he's yeah. out in your neck of the woods. I think he's in North Carolina, though. But he's, right, right. Out there. he's a teacher, though, too. Yeah. Well, Mark, Mark Cody, who is my uh, – we coach together in Nebraska, he's at Presbyterian now uh, that started a wrestling program, men's and women's. And uh, he's the one that sent me the, the Smith interview about our rivalry and uh, Mark and I have always been close. I went up there a couple, three or four times to hang out with him. And, uh, and uh, South Carolina is so blessed to have one of the best heavyweight coaches in the country, if not the world. I mean, look at his resume. Rulon, Tony Thompson, Munoz, Beering. I mean, you just keep going Cormier. You're not going to get a who's who of that uh, from anybody. But uh, South Carolina is glad to have Mark Cody. And, and South Carolina, I think, added four different programs, men's and women's at Lander, Presbyterian men's and women's. I know. Um, Limestone added women. So it's awesome. been, uh, I love it here. I mean, South Carolina in the winter and Wyoming, Colorado in the summer, you can't get any better. Awesome, man. Gil Sanchez, it's been an honor, sir. Thank you very much for taking the time. I would love to see that clip if you want to send oh, yeah. it over. I'm dying to see it. Yeah, I'll show you the clip and I'll send you a couple of the pictures. 
they took some amazing pictures of our finals match. Um, send, send them. You, yeah, I'll send uh, uh, those and then uh, one from the duel and then I'll send you the video. But uh, yeah, I'm like, it's my birthday today. So uh, happy birthday. Yeah. So one of my uh, one of my top achievements, I might post that that last 30 seconds. on my Facebook. Oh, my. Please do. Please do. And if I'm ever out uh, in your neck of the woods, I'll let you know, man. I'd love to love to meet up. And oh, yeah. Stop by Hilton Head area and uh, I'm 20 minutes from the beach. Yeah, it's yeah. And good. Uh, you, people are amazing. I didn't know there's all these wrestling people here. Yeah, there's some good people. We have, we have a blast here. Awesome. Well, thank you again, sir. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Thank you. And all great things must come to an end. If you want to hear more from the podcast, text WRESTLE to 555-888. That's WRESTLE to 555-888. You can also find us on Instagram, Wrestling Changed My Life, Twitter, Ryan underscore N underscore Warner, as well as our website, WrestlingChangedMyLife.com. Take care, y'all.